and he shall reign forever and ever. You know when you have those moments where you can hear the angels singing with us? I'll tell you, that was a special moment. You know, some of you may look at me and think I am such an extrovert. You may see me on the front in worship with my hands in the air and I'll jump up and down and you maybe think, oh, that's okay because that's what Vicky's like. You couldn't be further from the truth. Barry told one of my sons the other day that we didn't even have a first dance at our wedding. Do you know why we didn't have a first dance at our wedding? Because I couldn't bear the thought of people looking at me. That's the truth story. I could not bear people's eyes being on me. And I knew if we had a first dance, people were going to watch me. So we didn't. We had a barn dance instead because I made sure there was no way anyone was going to trick me into a first dance. And that is love on the part of my husband. But he still reminds me nearly 22 years on, Vicky, we didn't have a first dance. He told our Josh, and that's unforgiveness right there. He told our Josh the other day and Josh went, mum, you didn't. He's like, you did not give him a first dance. And I was like, Josh, I couldn't. I couldn't know. <laughs> you see, here's the thing, right? When you see me on the front row, worshipping God and praising God with all that you've got is not a personality type. It's the goodness of God in you. It's the faithfulness of God in you. It's knowing what he's done for you that makes you express. And there was a time I would watch on and I would long to put my arm in the air and I would long to be able to dance like other people did but I couldn't because people would watch and it was bubbling up inside of me and I so desperately wanted it and, and, and I made a decision this Sunday I'm going to do it I'm going to lift my arm in the air right because I'm very British and I'm an introvert you combine the two like I'm a back row kind of girl okay and so I, I did and I was like okay so I lifted my arm in the air and I, and I went like this. And I went like this with my other eye. And not a soul watched me because they were all too focused on Jesus. And I want to say to some of you in here today that you need to step out. That you turn up Sunday after Sunday and you watch on. And you would desperately love to lift your arm in the air even if you don't really understand what it is that you're doing. But there is something welling up within you. Don't look on at other people and do it and think it's a personality type. If God has been good to you, it is your personality to worship and praise him and be an extrovert for Jesus. That is what makes it your personality. So when you see me sat there doing all that or stood there doing all what I'm doing and what have you, please don't think, oh, that's just because it's Vicky. It's because she's the pastor. It's because she's really out there. But it's not. Every time you see me, I want you to know she's come out of a comfort zone because of the goodness of God. She's come out of the comfort zone because she knows his faithfulness. She's come out of a comfort zone because she knows his goodness. She's come out of a comfort zone because she knows with every ounce within her, he is worthy of our praise. And church, when we gather together in worship, it's not a run up to the preach. It's not just something that we do. Let me tell you, chains are broken when we praise and worship him beyond our circumstances and beyond our feelings. When we step up and we step out and say no you know what God I don't care who's looking at me what does it matter because you are so good I cannot stay silent and after my preach
stage, we're going to go back into worship. And I believe that there is a day today of breakthrough for people. Your breakthrough is going to come through being extravagant in your worship. And you can say, yeah, well, I do that because I'm a quiet person. No, 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 I'm meaning, I'm meaning extravagant in our worship. I'm meaning extravagant in our worship because of who he is and because you know his goodness. That thing that bubbles up in you every week, you're about to unlock it because you're about to, in the next lot of worship, begin to step out and begin to say, no, I'm not going to put this down to my personality type. But personality changed on worshiping Jesus when he gave his life for me. Amen. I want to just say hi to everybody in the room. If it's your first time with us, you're so welcome. If you're watching online, you're so welcome too. I just want to give a shout out to a couple called Ben and Lucy. Barry's going to talk a little bit about them later. But I just want to give a shout out to you and just say we're so glad that you're watching and that you've made contact with us. And to all the countless people that watch us every week, you know, church in the building is filling up quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker each week because there is a hunger. There is a hunger. And watching people who don't normally sit near the front, suddenly they're going on in the booking seats at the front. David McCollum has been my dance partner this morning and uh, with little hope. He's going to bring his dancing shoes next week. And then I'm looking over here and I can see Nicole and Michelle who have taken up front row seats because there is a hunger in the house. There is a stirring in the house. And God is so good. Are you happy for me to read to you a true life story? I remember many years ago, I used to work in an office and they used to play Radio 1. And they used to do... Simon, somebody or other used to do the real life story. He used to always play this like special music behind for After Effects. You've got it? <laughs> this story came to my attention last week. Are you happy for me to read it to you? I'm going to read it so I don't miss a thing. It was April 2008. When I headed into my ultrasound scan with excitement an anticipation of finding out the sex of our baby. Never in a million years did I expect to find out there was something wrong. I'd felt the baby wriggle and kick. It was certainly a lively little soul and all was well. After already having children, I knew the drill. Drink lots of water before you go cross your legs because you can't go to the toilet until after the scan. I'd also previously worked in ultrasound. It was a place of familiarity, a place of warmth, a place of friendship. On every level, I turned up for my scan, so excited and looking forward to it. I was called into the room with my husband and the sonographer, a friend that I once worked with. She began the scan, being the true professional that she was. The scan was conducted as normal, until at the end... I didn't hear the words I knew were always said, all looks well. Instead, I heard, so the baby appears to have. And in that moment, everything faded away. During the scan, we'd been told we were having a little girl. We were overjoyed. But suddenly that joy was stripped from me and replaced by a gut-wrenching panic. The sonographer explained that our little girl only had one kidney, and the one she had didn't appear to be functioning properly. A consultant radiologist, top of his field, was called in to confirm the findings, which he did. We were then sent home to return in a week 
to see a specialist and to have further scans to discuss the future of our daughter. That Sunday I went to church like we always did. No one knew anything other than my immediate family. During the service, I was so broken and cried uncontrollably. An elder in the church at the time came to me and said, he had been woken with a dream in the night of me crying and I was distressed. He woke his wife and said, what is wrong with her? She said, I have no idea. And he said this, God has told me to give you a message. And it is this, where there is lack and void, I will fill it. The elder said to me, does that mean anything to you? I said, oh yes, it does. The following week, we returned as planned. A scan was done. My little girl now had four kidneys. The consultant said this couldn't be. How can she have grown three kidneys? It was explained to us that this meant our daughter faced other complications. And these were ones now that the doctors weren't confident in. Because having four kidneys was a very rare condition. They stated it was one in a million. Why would God do this? Yes, he had filled a void, but he had replaced one problem with a more severe and complicated one. For the duration of the pregnancy, I was scanned each week with 3D and 4D scans, and each one showed four kidneys. The scans would be printed off and placed in the medical records. Towards the end of my pregnancy, I sat on my bed and I cried. And God gave me a verse. Psalm 30, chapter 5. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. God said her name had to be Joy because she would bring much joy to those who would know her. As soon as she was born, she was taken straight to the special care baby unit, where she was started on medication as a trial because they weren't sure how to treat her condition. Morning and night, we would give this to her in the hopes it would help. It made her so poorly and she would scream at just the smell once the lid was taken from the bottle. When she was two weeks old, we went to a meeting at a Christian camp. That night, we decided to take her off the medication. The next day, we visited friends on the camp. We sat in the awning of their caravan and I heard my name being shouted by a man in the distance. We came out of the awning and noticed it was an old preacher that I hadn't seen for 25 years. He said he'd seen me in the meeting the night before holding a newborn baby and God had told him he must lay hands on her. And he asked us what was wrong and we shared. We explained we had an appointment at Alder Hay the following week for more scans with a new specialist. He prayed for her, he laid hands on her and he prayed that as we went to Alder Hay the following week, that it would be as if two of the kidneys had never even existed and she would be left with two perfectly functioning ones. Well, the following week, we took her to see a new specialist who scanned her. The specialist turned to us and said she has two perfectly healthy kidneys. She looked at us quite puzzled as to why we were even there and discharged us. Here's the thing. That baby is in the room, and I want us to stand to our feet, not in praise of the baby or praise of the parents, but in praise of God, because miracles happen. Eleanor Cross, 
Would you like to come to the platform? Let's stand to our feet and give the Lord a mighty hand for his miracles. Look what the Lord has done. You just pass me that mic. You see, you might say, well, she's not called Joy. Eleanor, what's your middle name? Joy. Eleanor Joy Cross. Her first name is Eleanor. The following names state the joy of the cross. Because our little girl is whole and is well. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. Thanks, El. I asked permission, was she allowed, was I allowed to share that with her? To which they oh go, babe. To which she said, yeah. Thank you, David. Today I want to speak about the language of miracles. Whether people are Christians or not, I have never ever heard anybody they say, I don't want a miracle. Never heard anybody, whether they believe in God or not, I have never heard anybody say, I don't want a miracle. And then what happens is we pray really hard for one. And we hope God's on a good day and he's going to dish one out to us. We cross our fingers. Well, I don't because it's a load of rubbish. Cross our fingers. Maybe we'll get a miracle. Maybe we'll get a miracle. Maybe we'll get a miracle. And we just think it just depends on how God feels. And today I want to talk about the language of miracles. You know, I'm very aware that for some people, my story may have brought you pain. And I'm sorry that my story may have brought you pain. I'm mindful that people's stories can end differently. I've had stories that have ended differently. For some, your story may have ended differently, but you're here saying, my story did end up differently, Vicky, but, but I could see the miracle in this. Or I can see the miracle in that. Or I can see what the Lord has done here. And it wasn't the ending that I would have wanted. But I can still see the faithfulness of God. The language of miracles. There is nothing that God cannot do. Everything is possible with God. So if you're sat here today, you are watching online. Whatever you're in, whatever you're at. Nothing is so far gone or beyond God. You only have to believe. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So what I want to say to you, there's an area of unbelief in you. That's okay. Believe through your unbelief. Find what you can believe for and say, God, I'm believing this. Now I need you to help my unbelief. Can I say in that story, was there ever a time that I didn't get a wobble? I got wobbles. When I heard that new, that, those words and I knew what to expect, I'd worked in ultrasound, there's almost a script that they follow and I was ready for the next line of the script and it just never arrived. And then came some words and I'm like, that's not how the story goes. And at that point, it was like everything clouded on me. I couldn't even properly hear what was being said because a panic hit me, a panic came into me. But in those moments, your stance and your positioning is vital for what will come. If you haven't had the outcome, I have had, I want you 
to know that that doesn't mean you've not prayed the right prayer. Somebody once said to me about a story of mine and it didn't turn out how it should have turned out in my opinion. And they talked about somebody who I know was somebody of great faith. And they said, oh, well, that happened to them because they didn't have enough faith. And I was like, actually, you're wrong because I know how large their faith was. And then they went, oh, they probably didn't say the right words in prayer. And I went, that's not my God. That's not my God. I don't know who your God is, but it ain't my God. Because God sees my heart. God sees my heart. For for miracles, there is faith. We need to believe. But if you have an area of unbelief, pray and ask God to help that area of unbelief. But there is a positioning in our lives. There are things that we do with our lives that is the language of miracles. It prepares the place for a miracle. It gets the soil ready for the miracle. And they are the things that I want to talk to you about today. A four-point plan to speak the language of miracles. Now, you may think, Vicky, you do a lot of these point things. Three points, four points, seven points, ten points, one point, two point. Do you know the reason why I do it? Because when I get up here and preach into any preacher, it's not because we think you like the sound of our voice. I'm possibly a bit squeaky for you. But it's because when God gives us something to say, it is to impact your life. Jesus would walk around on this earth and he told stories to get the message across. Why? Because he wanted it to impact as many people as possible. He wanted to reach as many people as possible. And I believe when I do this, I don't always do points, but I quite often do, is because I think that's easy for people to take away and apply it to their life. It's something that people can get a hold of rather than you going away and thinking, I haven't got a clue what she went on about then. I think I remembered one of the sentences. It's easier to take notes. Four-point plan to speak, speak the language of miracles. Now, obviously, there is prayer. And obviously, there is faith. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not negating that with my four-point plan. First point, your stance is vital. At the moment, I have, <laughs> I, I've been looking a bit into fitness. And anybody who knows me can laugh now. Um, and I've seen a personal trainer, which, again, anybody who knows me can laugh now. I often own trainers for a fashion statement rather than for them to be used practically. Anyway, I've seen, but, but this fitness instructor has told me that there are certain parts of my body that are out of line. And that is causing a problem when I try to get fit. So when I try to get fit and I injure myself, I just think, fitness isn't for me. Barry keeps going, no love it is. Because like in lockdown, I've lost quite a few pounds by buying fitness stuff and they've been great British ones. They haven't been on the scales. I've bought a step, a step aerobics, that's in the corner of my bedroom. Barry loves it. Bought a bright pink one. He thinks it's wonderful. I bought some, some weights, lady weights as Barry calls them. They're ridiculous. A six-month-old baby could pick them up. And I bought apps on my phone. I've not done any of them. I'm broke. Not lighter. <laughs> Barry's telling secrets to I.O. probably about my fitness stories. <laughs> Half a kilogram is one of the ways. That was a mistake. When I bought it, I didn't know it was half a kilogram. And they're about this big. And Barry's like, what the heck is that? They just sit on my dressing table like an ornament. 
I am saying that's because it is an ornament. Anyway, how rude. Your stance is vital. So I've been looking into some fitness things. Here's the thing. With fitness, with your body, it is your stance that lets you move whilst at the same time giving you stability to your movements. Your stance will allow you to move while giving you stability. Okay? So our stance in God is vital when we are waiting for a miracle. Or when we're not waiting for a miracle. Because here's the thing. When we're not waiting for a miracle, we can all be a little bit cocky and think we're doing really well patting ourselves on the back we've got a this four-point plan isn't just when we're desperate for a miracle this four-point plan is a way of life it's a language of miracles it's important that the muscles necessary to perform a particular movement or technique respond fully okay so what we need to do we need to get ourselves lined up so we are responding fully to God in our lives that we are living from a place of expectation because we know who is know who he is if your stance is incorrect the harmonious interactions of your muscles will be absent does anybody ever get that in life where you feel like you're absolutely bossing it in one area with God and then the other one you're not and you're double-minded and you end up all over the place doesn't have to be that way. Great news. You see, our stance on a, on a subject and our stance on a miracle will determine how we write the story, how we write the end of the story in our own thinking. And if we're thinking how we think the ending is going to be, we totally take God out of the equation. So if our stance is in us and in our own understanding, we write the end of the story before we've ever got to the end of the story. And we totally take God out the equation. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. If you want to know how to get your stance right for point one, here we go. Are you ready? Don't switch off because it's a well-known scripture either. Okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Some, in other areas of Bible, there'll be some verse that'll say, trust the Lord. This says, trust in the Lord. So you need to know who the Lord is. If you're here and you're like, well, I don't know who he is, that's absolutely fine because there are people after this service that will answer your questions and tell you who he is. So we need to be able to trust in his wisdom because we know him to be wise. We need to trust in his peace because we need to know he gives a peace that the world can't give. We need to trust in his power because we know he's all-powerful. We need to trust in his name because we know the name of Jesus has a place of highest honor. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus will heal the sick. And the name of Jesus will break chains. And the name of Jesus will bring strongholds down. We need to trust in his love when we feel like nobody else loves us. We need to know that we are deeply, deeply loved because we are trusting in his love. So this, these scriptures don't say trust the Lord. They say trust in the Lord. That's the key bit, trust in the Lord. Trust who he is. That's what we're trusting in. Trust his wisdom, in his wisdom, in his power, in his greatness. You know, suddenly when we start trusting in his greatness, it, everything expands. When we start to trust in his greatness, nothing's impossible. Now, remember I said before, you might be able to believe some and not the other. That's all right. Just pray for help in the unbelief. 
But find what you can believe and trust in it. Do not depend on your own understanding. Anxiety comes in when we depend and trust in us. The minute I try and trust in me, I am all over the show. I am double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The minute I start to trust in me and my emotions are here one day, they're the next. That's not even one day and the next. It can be like that every five minutes. And anybody who lives with me knows. All the kids are going, she's right. Anxiety comes when we trust in ourselves because what happens is we lean on our understanding and we depend on our understanding. And some of us might know, think we know it all, but I've got news. You don't. I don't. There is only one who knows, and it's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the plan for your life. That's why we need to trust in him. And not trust in ourselves. Anxiety and stress, it comes when we are trusting in ourselves and not in him. I've just seen the time. I need to speak a bit faster. That'll be all right. We've got to stop leaning on ourselves. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. The Amplified Version. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions or others. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him. In whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. But wisdom comes when you adore him. When you adore him. With awe and wonder. See, that's what happens in worship going to flip back to the beginning of the message that's what happens in worship you know when I'm there doing that and everybody else that's around you I am in awe and wonder absolutely in awe and wonder and in love of him I'm intimately involved with him wisdom comes when I adore him wisdom doesn't come when I understand him wisdom comes when I adore him it's a stance avoid everything that's wrong If you're doing something wrong and you know it goes against the word of God, stop it. Stop it. If you're struggling to stop it, come and talk to us. We'll pray with you. We'll help you. We'll do whatever we can do. But you've got to stop it. You've got to stop trying to live that way. For then you will find the healing refreshment your body and soul, your body and spirit long for. Okay? Number two. Speak to yourself about what he's already done. Speak to yourself about when you start to speak to yourself about what he's already done, your faith levels begin to rise. Because you go, God, I remember when you did this for me. I remember when you did that for me. And what happens, you start to expand and your faith starts to well up and it starts to bubble up and the joy of the Lord starts to come up in you because you remember his faithfulness and you remember his goodness. And then, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength, which means I can keep going in the night because joy is going to come in the morning because of the joy of the Lord has started to well up in me because I've remembered what he's done. 
your prayers move from desperation to expectation. Even though there may still be a desperation within you, your prayer life moves from desperation to expectation because you've remembered what he's already done. You've remembered his nature. You've remembered his goodness. You approach him in a completely different way. You approach him with boldness and confidence because you're like, God, I know who you are. I remember what you've done. Deuteronomy 10, 21. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise. The one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. What have your eyes seen? It's time to start speaking to yourself. It's time to start reminding yourself of what the Lord has already done. The beginning of this verse says, hello. He alone is hello. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise. Okay. If you can speak about other stuff and excel other stuff, you can speak about your God and the miracles he has done and excel him. He is the only one worthy of our praise. When we acknowledge the past miracles, our prayers change into expectation even through the tears. I have been on my knees in tears, in desperation, but my faith has been high because I've been like, I've called on them, God, you've done this before. In this situation, you've done it before in that situation. And my faith rises and the joy of the Lord wells up in me. The things that you have seen yourself with your eyes, the things that you have seen God do, whether it's a physical thing, like in your body, whether it's provision came in a way. Like I remember when my dad was very poorly, mum had found out he'd only got two days to live and somebody knocked on the door. He was self-employed. He couldn't work. We had no money coming into the house. I was five. Mum had other children. She'd foster children as well. There was a knock at the door and a man stood there and said, God has told me there's a need in this house. And he brought boxes of food in that house so we could eat. What has the Lord done for you? Where is the provision coming? Where is the peace coming? Where is his joy coming? Where is his power coming? Where is it that you're walking through the most horrendous storm, but you're just like, I'm walking through it. I'm walking through it. I'm coming through it. That's what the Lord has done for you. Write them down. Write them physically down. Write them on your heart. Get them on your lips and start to speak it out over yourself. Number three, tell of what he's done. Don't just speak it over you. Now you've got to start telling what he has done. You see, then what happens is you move the shift from you to other people because you start to raise their faith levels. Because again, even in the midst of the storm, it's not all about us. If we are in line and trusting in the Lord, we will be operating in a way he would want us to operate in. And that is also reaching out to others. In some of my darkest times has been the times I've ended up helping other people. Tell of what he's done. Declare his miracles. It's irrelevant whether anybody else believes your miracle. Shall I tell you something quite shocking? You know Eleanor's miracle? It was amazing. It was absolutely wonderful. Had to be the Lord. Remember coming home from the hospital that day when we'd been discharged? And someone saying to me, well, you want to be careful who you say that to, just in case it wasn't God. Twelve and a half years later, 
If somebody said that to me, I'd probably take the legs from underneath them. Twelve and a half years ago, do you know what I did? I went, oh gosh, oh. God said to me a week ago, write down the story and start to tell others. And that's why I read it out today, so that you know there is a God and he's the God of miracles. It doesn't matter whether other people believe it was a miracle. Don't get caught up into that trap. Tell people what he has done. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. That is about the cross and that is about salvation. It's about who he is as well and the things that he's done. When people hear it, when you tell others, you hear it back yourself. And it speaks to you and it raises your faith levels. Well, actually, the whole point of what you're doing is to raise theirs. But that's God. God's like, when you're sowing out to others, oh, I'm going to raise your faith levels as well. I'm thinking all about you. Last one, live in his miracles. Live in the atmosphere of miracles. You see, when we've done these previous things, what happens is we have created an atmosphere of miracles. Because we've got our stance ready, we've remembered his goodness, his greatness, his faithfulness, and then we've spread the word wide. So our faith level by this point is high. The joy is starting to bubble up. We're starting to acknowledge this incredible peace that's on us that, oh my gosh, where could this possibly have come from? People will say to you, I don't know how you're staying so calm. They will. I don't know how you're staying so calm. And then you say, it's because of God. And it's what he does. How are you expressing the miracles that God has done in your life right now? In your life, how are you expressing that? Because we've talked about our stance being right. We've talked about speaking it over ourselves. We've talked about speaking to others. But I want to talk about another expression where it's just visible. And there's many different ways to do this. But I kind of jumped ahead with my preach. And I took point four to the beginning. So we're going to bring it back from the beginning to here. Living in the atmosphere of miracles and living in the language of miracles is about expressing visibly his goodness. Because when you start to move and you start to praise him and you start to worship him, whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, if you're on the mountaintop, praise the Lord, hallelujah, he put you there. If you're in the valley, praise the Lord, hallelujah, he's bringing you through that valley. He will not leave you. But now is a responsibility on us because you see, when we begin to worship and when we begin to praise and we are focused on him in our abundance, other people catch on to it as well. And I tell you, it happens in here. I said at the beginning about it's starting to catch on, that expectation before the service from Laurie. I'm telling you something's happening, but you need to ignite somebody else. Don't sit there and go, oh, I'm just waiting for someone to ignite me. Ah, oh, wonderful. Ignite somebody else, because guess what? When you do, somebody is going to be doing it for you, and it's going to be like a Mexican wave through this place, it's going to start catching. We're going to see dancing. We're going to see people with the hands in the air. You know, whether you can't sing out loud at the top of your lungs, singing isn't banned, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay, but singing at the top of your voice, okay, and, and all of that, we might not be able to do that. But I'll tell you something, that doesn't mean that there isn't an outward expression of our praise and our worship. God did not call me to be a pastor. And hear what I'm saying, because I'm not knocking 
this church, this what I'm going to say now. But he didn't call me to be a pastor of the Church of England church or of an Anglican church. And if those churches and those ministers are preaching 100% the word of God, then I'm cool with that. And that expression is for some people. But right here, right now, you kind of want to know that as your pastors and your leaders, without you a fat mom, we're pretty crazy about the things of God. Okay? We're pretty loud about the things of God. So I'm just going to let you know that's the church you're in. That's the church you're in. And this is where God's planted you, which means you're kind of crazy and loud as well. Because all our personalities became the same when Jesus found us and he saved us and he set us free. Let's start to see some expression in our worship outwardly. Feels a bit uncomfortable. I get it. I went to the trappers end of the night with our sofa. She had to tell me to smile more. Honest. Didn't you, Soph? It's like, mum, she has to do that sometimes because I'm an introvert. So I walk round kind of like not very smiley and head kind of down. And Soph's like, mum, you're not really rude. Will you smile a little bit more? Great news. We all got the same personality because we all love Jesus. We've all got the same personality because we know of his goodness. We've all got the same personality because we know he saved us. We've all got the same personality because we know his faithfulness. Psalm 19, verse 1 to 2. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They do not switch on and off. So in our section of worship we're going to do now, if you start to step out and you start to lift your arms in the air, when we come next week, don't switch off. Because something is happening. There is a wave that's happening. There is something coming For those that weren't in last September, when I spoke about the word that God has given this church and for something that is coming and something that's happening soon, I need you to let me know because you need to know what's about to happen in this church and it's not gone public yet. Link, think of it this way. Instead of the heavens proclaim, my life proclaims the glory of God. You don't hear the heavens and the sky and the day and the night go, well, actually, this is what the Lord's done for me. This section I'm talking about now is we proclaim it without speech. We proclaim it in our worship. We can proclaim it when we just adore him. Because when we adore him and our stance is right, wisdom comes My life displays his craftsmanship. Day after day, my life continues to speak. Night after night, in the darkest of hours, I make him known. Extravagant worship is the final part of the language of miracles. God told me to go back and write out the miracle of Eleanor and I did it. He told me to tell people I've done it. Stir up those miracles, church. Stir them up, write them down, speak them to yourself, tell them to other people and be extravagant in your worship because he's the one that's done it all for you and he is worthy of our praise. 
If you're waiting for a miracle, start to speak what he's already done. If you're waiting for a miracle, start to worship him right now. If you're not waiting for a miracle, start to worship him right now. Start to move in what God is doing.